Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken here, joined by David Hartrick. We have two games to talk about, Dave, but first, how are you? Yeah, I'm not bad at all. Now that's out of the way. Now the nice stuff's out of the way. <laughs> Let's get into the game. Let's games. crack on. We'll start with Birmingham then. Uh, they lost 2-1 at St Andrews. Huddersfield Town did. I don't know why I had to specify it was Huddersfield Town. You know who we're talking about. I think you can take that as red at this point, you pedant. But um, no, it was a lot of the same issues we saw against Burnley, unfortunately. 1-0 down within five minutes. 2-0 down by the break. They were better second half once again. But too little too late and didn't keep it going after they got the goal back. It was, as I say... <sighs> A lot of the same issues again. Yeah, um, I think that some of the things we said after the Burnley game was that the the setup was wrong from kick off, and I think the setup was wrong again here. Um, and the the first half, it seems a funny way to to talk about Town having seen them last season, but it really looked like they were struggling to motivate themselves. It was almost like I felt like some of them were playing it like it was still a pre season friendly. You know, there was there was a lot of there was a lot of jogging <laughs> and a lot of sort of pointing at people and pointing at space, but they're just, I don't know, there was a real disconnect on the pitch, I thought, which we've rarely seen from a from a town side. And they, the, I think, <laughs> like against Burnley, we gave them the caveat that like Burnley could be really, really good this season. I don't think Birmingham were like two or three notches above town opposition-wise, do you? No. No, I, I don't think Birmingham are anything more than a hard-working, functional side. I think they're, they're better than they were last year, uh, by the looks of things. You know, I think John Eustace has prioritised just be hard to beat, but Huddersfield Town also made themselves very easy to beat. I, I they were. We'll get on to tactical stuff later, because it continues to be pertinent going into the Preston game. But in terms of sort of individual battles... They were nowhere near Birmingham, and whatever stats you look at from the first half in particular, Town are second best, and in a, in a lot of them, um, they're second best by some way. You know, you look at getting dribbled past, you look at aerial duels, you look at winning tackles, winning first and second balls, almost anything you look at, Town were some way behind Birmingham and were completely off their game and the the goals they conceded were avoidable as well is the annoying thing you know that they I think Birmingham quite clearly had seen how narrow town were going to play if they played 4-4-2 off the ball which they did I think they realized that Josh Ruffles was one of the more inexperienced players in the side at this level and targeted him they went two on one with him uh Bakuna and, and Colin were doubling up on him he needed more help and Jack Rodoni was playing left wing. He did start helping Ruffles out. He cottoned onto that fairly quickly, but not quickly enough to stop Birmingham getting the first goal off that side. But just practically everyone <laughs> looked, apart from, I thought, Romani Edmonds Green and Jack Rodoni in that first half looked just completely miles off the pace. Yeah, and Tino looked lost in the system as well, didn't he? Um, mm. He couldn't... He couldn't get on the ball anything like enough, and he couldn't get when he was on the ball. It was in the wrong areas for where he actually wanted to wanted to do some damage. So, yeah, it it was a it was a no other way to say it, it was just a dreadful half from town. And then they came out after half time. We're told there was a how how did Danny put it in the press conference? Clear the air or some home truths or something? Yeah, what he said after the game was that there'd been the the 
dressing room was very emotional at our time and that there was some truths shared sort of between um, the players and the coaching staff sort of a I, I felt like both ways rather than uh, necessarily him giving them a, a rollicking but uh, perhaps he's being diplomatic there yeah and you could see it needed it because there was clearly something not right that first half um, they weren't doing what their manager wanted and there can be a few reasons for that. You know, there can be that the system's just not working. There can be that they don't understand exactly what the manager wants. There's, you know, there's a few different reasons. So they were better second half, but they were better second half against Burnley and they were better second half last night in the game we'll come on to. But you you can't keep giving them credit for eventually sorting it out when they're behind in a game anyway. It It's... Yeah. They, you've got to. They've got to start getting the system right and got to start understanding what they're. I think the single biggest failing at the moment is I'm not sure Danny has a, a idea of what his best first eleven is and what formation he should play them in. That's that's the issue to me. Um, and it just the 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 one thing I will say is Town's goal on Friday was lovely. <laughs> If we're looking yeah. for silver linings, it really was a lovely goal. And it was a glimpse of what could be, maybe. But like you say, I found it quite weird that after scoring a goal like that, they sort of couldn't get anywhere near full Alamo, you know, and really go for it. And really, the one thing we sort of, I always criticised Carlos Corbran for was when his sides went behind, they couldn't find a way to just like you know throw the kitchen sink at it it was still all too controlled too easy to play against sometimes and I was really hoping under Danny that's the one thing that could change that you could up the adrenaline a bit and really try and go for a bit of chaos but yeah it was just really flat again wasn't it yeah players look look really down don't they they look short on confidence and short on effort to be honest and it's it's very rare that that I'll um, I'll criticise players for for effort levels, but they just, as I say, when it's when you're losing your individual battles as regularly as they are and and continue to be um, in the Preston game, I just think they're they're miles off it. And obviously, there's going to be reasons for that. And unfortunately, we sort of don't know entirely what those reasons are. But I think this team is capable. They showed last season of taking on very complex tactical instructions, but I feel like at the moment, particularly when Danny Schofield has sort of his own ideas about how he wants the team to play, they could do with a bit of simplification because you had, it was 4-4-2 off the ball, which I, I don't understand, but we'll talk about that more later, but 3-4-3 on it. But what that meant was, you know, by having two quite radically different systems on and off the ball rather than the more natural thing to do, which would have been 5-4-1 off the ball, 3-4-3 on it, you ended up with... Jonathan Hogg, who was sort of a centre-back, but not really a centre-back. You had Ollie Turton and Josh Ruffles, who were sort of full-backs, but also sort of wing-backs. You had John Russell, who was sort of a holding midfielder, but not a holding midfielder. You had Sorba Thomas and Jack Rodoni, who were sort of wingers, but not really wingers. And Danny Ward was dropping into midfield, basically. He was, you know, I think the idea was probably to let Thomas and Rodoni... overlap him and, and Andrian as well overlap him play as the false nine basically which we don't often see uh, but he was pretty much an out and out false nine in that first half but you end up then with a lot of players who are doing one and a half jobs and at the moment these players looks like they're struggling to do one job 
but that's sort of the minimum you can give them and I feel like if they tried to do that give those players one clear job right you're a centre-back right you're a winger right you're a full-back it would probably help things an awful lot yeah the thing like neither system is unfamiliar either because the systems that Carlos Mm. Corbin played last season um, but it does feel exactly like you said that there's too many people who are caught between two stools and instead of taking any sort of decisive or positive action about it they're just sort of drifting at the moment which is the one thing you could say about town last season is there was never you know whatever game it was win lose or draw there was never a drift they were always it was always sort of maximum effort and you just feel like at the moment there is just a disconnect and it's. I'm with you. I I I think criticizing players for effort is stupid because usually there's a reason behind it, and usually that reason is either fitness related or they're not too sure exactly what they should be doing. So they like say they're caught between two stools, or they've misunderstood what they should be doing, and they're just you know they're they're on the periphery of the game as a result. But there is a definite there's a definite issue at the moment with tactically getting those players to play in a in a set system which is strange when they've had such a system-led coach for so long um who drilled we know drilled stuff into them and was very repetitious in his training etc it's I don't think just removing Carlos Corbran is the thing that has caused that it seems to be a sort of bit of a collective a bit of a collective issue and it's I'm not surprised there were words said at half-time, as Danny Schofield admitted, because I think they probably needed to be. And, yeah, I'm not so sure it is a lack of effort. I just feel like it's it's a lack of, of understanding what they, what they should be doing. And I think, for me, Steve, I'd like your take on this, but I, I think their decision-making at the moment is really poor. So there's an awful yeah, lot awful. of passing when they're in shooting positions. There's an awful lot of cutting inside when they're in crossing positions. In central midfield, there's an awful lot of pointing at areas that you know where the danger's going to be, but not actually taking the responsibility <laughs> of dropping in there yourself. And at fullback, I feel like Turton and Ruffles, who, like, let, let's let's be honest, they're good at what they do, but what they do isn't the same sort of skill set as Pippa and Harry Toffolo. So... Mm-hmm. I feel like their decision at the mo- making at the moment is a bit all over the place because they're they're both. That's one area where I would say I think there's a decisive lack of confidence either side because if you're going to play fullback, you do have to turn your bravery up a notch so that you know when to go and when you can leave that space behind you because you want to get into a good attacking position. But to me, it just seems that decision making is is a real issue at the moment. Yeah. I- I haven't found too much to object to in Ollie Turton's performances, but I think the four four two is so narrow that you're always going to leave yeah. your, your your fullbacks exposed playing yeah. that way, and and it's so easy to get down the sides of them. And you know we saw it with Brody Spencer, we saw it with Josh Ruffles. They don't know whether they should be stepping out to to come and close down the man because the other thing is that not only are they really narrow. Um, sort of horizontally across the pitch but vertically the space the gap to the midfield is pretty massive so they're getting no help from the wingers as I alluded to earlier and as I say, fair play to Jack Rodoni. If if Jack Rodoni was if this was forty games into the season, I'd be criticising Rodoni for not getting back sooner and realising from the kickoff. But as it is, it was his first 
championship start, his first start in this lineup. And actually, I was quite impressed that he he did actually cut on on quite quickly, whether that was off his own shoulders or whether he got a shout from a teammate or from the dugout. But you know, it, it's so easy to if you go one, it's so easy to get one on one with those fullbacks at the moment, and we've seen that in in all mm. all of the games so far. But I think you're exactly right on the decision making. You know that. Some of the balls they're playing out from defence, you know, they're continuing to try and play from defence, but the positions that they're taking up to offer options to play out are not just stopping them from getting playing, but are actively putting them in danger and mm. you, you know you saw that with with one of the goals that that Preston scored the last goal that that Preston scored um on Tuesday night and that is that's really worrying to me because that is something we saw in the first season under Carlos Corberan that was killed off entirely the moment they came into the new season last year like we just didn't see it and it's crept back in immediately now and that kind of regression is really worrying to me. And just sort of compounding that, you know, Danny Schofield, when you ask him what are the reasons behind it, one of the things he'll say is, well, we're integrating new signings. We've had a lot of ins, a lot of outs. And it's like, well, you have, but the players that are committing those errors and getting things wrong and getting decisions wrong are not the new signings. Mm. Or, you know, as I say, Romani Evans Green and Jack Rodoni were the only players who sort of gave themselves any credit in the first half against Birmingham. And against Preston, the players who did well were the players who came off the bench. And again, it was Rodoni, it was it was Andrian. The players that are playing badly are Tom Lees, John Russell, you know, Sawa Thomas. Players that, for the most part, played well last season. Josh Carome is a different kettle of fish because he didn't play well last season, but he's got even worse. So, you know, the players that are making these mistakes and making these poor decisions are the players that were there last season and playing well. Jonathan Hogg, I don't think, has been good either. Um, So, again, that's a concern because there's a real regression there. And whatever, you know, I'm sure losing Carlos was a blow. I'm sure the players were gutted, etc., etc. But that understanding between them surely didn't walk out the door when he did. No, no. And the I think what it's exposed the big thing, the other big thing for me is they haven't got the silver bullet this season, which was the set pieces. Um, the set pieces last season, we know on non set piece xG, they only actually outperformed the three relegated sides over the course of last season. This season, they just they haven't even been able to get that going. The the set pieces have noticeably the delivery has not been good, um, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter who's taken them. We've had Karoma taking a couple last night. Sorba Thomas has taken some as ever. Uh, we saw Nahami. Nakayama take some. We've seen you know it, we we've seen a, a little bit of a revolving cast, and without that, to sort of I don't want to use the phrase paper over any cracks, but without that sort of Philip of of having a cheat code it has exposed one or two things and I just I I think that decision making thing I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or a little bit of a lack of understanding or if it's uh, I I just I don't get it I, I don't get how it can have dropped off to this degree and I think I think we have to sort of move on to the Preston game and I think the only place we can possibly start with that Steve is by you talking a little bit about the tactical setup yeah 4-4-2 again and you know 
I'm all for giving managers time, giving them patience. There's going to be teething problems, but I feel like picking that system, that four four two against Burnley, that is a learning curve. That's a head coach taking charge of his first game, um, not knowing what the opposition were going to do because Burnley were as much of an unknown quantity as as Town were at that stage. And there's lessons to be learned from that. And you say, right, we'll write it off. It wasn't good, but we'll take the lessons. We'll move on. Setting up, they changed. The way they set up on the ball against Birmingham, but they didn't change the way they set up off the ball particularly. They the gap was less of a chasm between the midfield and the defence than it was against Burnley. But you still it doesn't suit the personnel that they have to have a four four two where there is really any kind of a gap between the midfield and the defence because Football is all about transitions. You know, increasingly, I think there's an understanding that games are won or lost based on how you respond to either winning the ball or losing the ball. And with the best will in the world, and we said this after Burnley as well, John Russell and Jonathan Hogg have a lot of good qualities, but I don't think they are brilliant players to in, in transitions. You know, they're, they're not terribly quick defensively, so you need to set them up in a, in a low block to get the most out of them defensively and they are not I think Russell can get the play going if you get him on the ball on a transition but he's not the player to take the ball out of defense you need someone to take the ball out or play a pass to him so that he can then play the second ball through to the front line yeah. and playing that that flat 4-4-2 I almost feel like his I think I would struggle to come up with a system that exposes their weaknesses more readily than the four four two off the ball, the way that they're playing it. And you know, I'm not I'm not a you know, football hipster who's sitting here going, Oh, four four two is such an old system. It had its day twenty years ago. As you said, we saw last season it can work, it can be very effective as a strategy. But not the way they're playing it with these personnel. You know, we said it last week. I think if you had David Kasumu in there, it might be a different story because he's got that ability to cover ground both on and off the ball. But Hogg and Russell don't have that. Um, Russell and Kamara don't especially have that. So with Kasumu out, unless you're going to play Jack Rodoni in there, which they did after he came on against Preston, I don't see how it can possibly work. And I don't see why Schofield is persisting with it. Mm. I, my issue with it is in the wide areas because I mm-hmm. think... You exact, I agree with everything you've said centrally and I think on top of that what you get on the mm-hmm. left is you get a full back behind Karoma when we know really what Karoma wants to do is come inside and tuck inside so that full back has got a hell of a lot of real estate in front of him an awful lot of covering because the minute he goes up somebody drops in behind because Karoma is not great at, at sensing the danger and as you've just said if you've got John Russell in the middle he just to be frank he's not quick enough to come out either side without leaving a gap himself um and then on the and right he doesn't he, he doesn't switch on either like this is a criticism we had of him last year and I think the things that John Russell is doing wrong this year for the most part are things he did wrong last year as well but they had uh, a system and other players playing well enough around him that they most of the time got away with it yeah and I think on the right-hand side, you've got Ollie Turton, who I'm with you. I don't think he's done an awful lot wrong. But if Sorba's playing ahead of him, Sorba's brief now seems to be to, to really get forward. So again, Turton's got this huge space in front of him. And the amount of times in the first two games he was he was caught two-on-one or one-on-one, 
it, it was mm-hmm. extraordinary really and that was a feature of town last season was that one of the one of the keynotes tactically was the they always tried to make their battles two on one now it left them a bit short up front for me and we've talked about their creativity etc and i'm trying to create the same chance rather than lots of chances but what it did do was make them defensively really really solid because Mm -hmm. it made them really difficult to break down and at the moment that's just not happening and there's there's too many there's too many times i mean if we if we look at last night and we look at that first half i just want to make a slight defense of brody spencer in that firstly he was caught one on one or two on one so many times because the the cover in front of him just wasn't there two it was his first game at this level and he was up against uh, Fernandez, who I just patently think shouldn't be in this league. I mean, he looks. You look at his lineage. He is. He is a pretty exciting player, and yeah, he's he's going to be a star in this league. It would be fair to say. But again, it comes down to that same thing of the the battles being one on one, and Tom Lees was getting pulled across because yeah. he got caught between trying to help Brody out and trying to double up, or knowing where the danger was behind him. And the one thing I would say about Hogg is Lees, you could see, is so used to having Hogg drop into that space in the middle so he can get pulled out wide and help with a bit of confidence that without Hogg there, you could see Lees looks a bit all at sea. And I thought his his decision-making last night, it was nearly always, can I get away with coming out of position or are we going to be in serious trouble? And then your problem is, if you have to think about it at that level, you don't make either decision. So you get caught somewhere in between. So, yeah. And that was an issue against Birmingham as well, because he was playing playing on the right of the back back four against Preston, uh, where he, you know, and Preston, clearly, Ryan Lowe obviously looked at that team sheet and went, right, well, they've got an 18-year-old on his debut at right back. Let's go. And Fernandez on the left wing. Let's go for that. Um, And then when they got past him, it was Lees that had to come out. But against Birmingham, they had gone, right, well, let's get at Josh Ruffles on the left. And Lees was the left-sided centre-back and he was doing the same thing to try and cover for for Ruffles. Um, So, but again, I'm... I, I I would say the same thing about Ruffles that you've just said about Spencer, which is they were getting no help from the wings because, again, that gap between midfield and defence is so big. But also they're so narrow, <laughs> you know, yeah. that they, they end up... That leaves the full-backs with a huge, huge amount of space to cover uh, both across the pitch and, and up and down the pitch. It's, it's too much for them. And if you just... You know, it's... I think that second goal that Preston scored was... the a great example of all of the problems with this setup because when you watch it the way that they get in is criminal because they have Preston man on the ball playing out of defense uh sort of stepping up to just you know sort of 10 yards behind the center circle he's going at walking pace and he plays a diagonal pass across to Ben Woodburn who's inside the center circle there are nine town players in or around the centre circle and six Preston players in sort of the same sort of space. Woodburn is just walking into that space. He receives the ball at walking pace and there's no one anywhere near him. And he just takes the ball really calmly. No trickery, no deception, no sort of clever disguised passes or through balls. He just plays a second pass, almost the same, keeping it going in the same direction. Nice gentle pass to feet for Fernandez out on the left wing. And all Fernandez has done is just go to the left wing, which is where you'd expect a winger to be. But 
and he receives the ball to feet and at, at walking pace and he looks up and he's like well I've got a whole flank to go out here I'm one on one with Brody Spencer and he just mm. runs at him gets past him ball across the box they don't do with the ball into the box terribly well and it's a tap in and to to have three players left over and Preston not playing in a way you know they weren't on the counter attack they weren't you know going oh we sense danger they were just playing routine passes and they got an easy goal out of it yeah that that shouldn't be happening (laughs) regardless of what new personnel you've got regardless what change of head coach you've had that shouldn't be happening no and I mean it's pretty damning that they scored the exact same goal about a few minutes later for their third that's that's the issue and the first as well to just go back Lee Nichols I've I've watched it again and I think he does okay actually because I think the shot I was looking for that as well the shot catches him slightly unawares because he's unsighted at when it comes. He does okay, but none of the defenders react. I mean, there's nope. what's there three Preston players get beyond the back line to hunting for the ball as it goes in, and that is uh, like you just did not see that last season. That was where it's two, two, I think, but that is yeah. where your Matty Pearson and Tom Lees were absolutely immense because they would sense the danger straight away and they were throwing their body on the line etc and I know it's a league cup tie etc but it was so easy again it was so easy and when you concede three before half time it's very very difficult to have any redeeming note from the first half isn't it yeah well on that first goal as well the town players fair enough they're facing the ball because you know they're trying to block the shot you can understand that and I was looking at Parrott's movement um try to be like how has he got to that ball first so quickly because either way it's bad but it's like well has he has he just been side on and he's been able to you know get in first because his starting position is better because he's a striker and he's you know halfway turned towards goal no he's facing the ball as well when the first shot goes in he actually has to hop out of the way of it uh to to make sure it goes through on goal and he still gets there first (sighs) yeah i i thought it was i thought that was awful and this is where you can't say oh it's confidence or oh it's tactics that is just not being switched on from the start of games because that is that happens six minutes in when they've already had two game two games where they've conceded within the first 20 minutes and they've not been switched on in the first hours and they then go into a third game and they're not switched on again and I don't think <laughs> you know for all this for all the tactical failings we talked about I don't think that one is on Danny Schofield I think that is just awful defending yeah I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I think it was it's a goal we've just not seen town concede for like a year and a half. <laughs> That's the thing. Mm-hmm. It was it was shocking. And it, yeah, they had a rally second half, but again only after they'd conceded a fourth, um which was another goal where a player was just allowed to run basically. And uh, I just I'm struggling to give them credit for a very good you know, well, not a very good, but a good last half an hour against a side who were four 0 up at that point, soon to be four one, because you yeah. you can't, can you? You know, you you can't. No, no, and no. I think it's worth saying Tino Andrian and Jack Rodoni now need to play every minute 
that they possibly can because it's clear that they are I think they're town's difference makers at the moment they're they're the ones we need to start putting some stock in I think it was great to see Jordan Rhodes get on the score sheet and I think Mm -hmm. Jordan Rhodes actually out of most of the players there last night I would actually give him a bit of credit because he never stopped an even first half when they were 3-0 down he went and clattered through two people just to try and get somebody going try and get people going Jordan mm-hmm. Rhodes being Jordan Rhodes he immediately apologised to them <laughs> um, but you know he was he were uh, he was trying to get some sort of reaction from those around him and he was he was struggling it was uh, yeah it was it was a difficult night and it it feels like there's no other way to say it but if they'd if they'd have won last night or if they'd have played okay and come out of it with a sort of one nil defeat or two one defeat, we or could lost sit here. Yeah, yeah, we could sit here and say, okay, well, there's a few things to build on, but no other way to say it. But it now feels like Saturday is a must win. Yeah, I, I was, I went into last night sort of prepared to go. Well, it's the League Cup. There's probably not going to be a huge amount of interest in this game. They're going to play a couple of kids. They're going to have a few debuts. As you say, even if they lose one nil, two one, I'm not going to, you know, hammer them too much. It, it isn't important. You take the positives, etc. But that was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and as I say, it was bad in a way where it was the players who you probably, you know, it, it was the, it wasn't Etienne Kamara and Brody Spencer that were letting them down. It was, it included you, John Russell, Josh yeah. Groma, Tom Lees, yeah. who were players that you're counting on to to do well as starters. I think Yuta Nakayama did well. Yep. Um, yep. And, and uh, he was the only player I had on anything above a four for the first half, I think. And, uh, yeah, as you say, they've. this is almost the more frustrating thing. Is You know, they've got Danny Ward and Jordan Rhodes both on the score sheet over the last two games. I think if you create chances for those players, and the stats from last season show this, they're going to put them away um, with at least as much regularity as any other striker in this division. But they're just miles off it. Um, you know, I, I mentioned that that this one earlier, but the fourth goal is just, it's Tom Lee's playing a pass. And, all right, it's not a great pass playing out from the back, but both Dwayne Holmes and Josh Caroma have the opportunity to cut that out. Both of them think the other's going to go for it, and neither of them does. And just, it's so easy for Brad Potts just to take the ball, run through, and put it in the bottom corner. Because, again, the gap <laughs> is so massive. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it was really bad. Really, really bad. And I'm not really sure what the answer is at, at, at this stage. Because, yeah. Well, I, let's, let's go on from that then. It's... To it's Friday's training session, and you're announcing the team and the system. How? What are you doing, Steve, in that game? First thing, five four one off the ball. I think I'm having uh, obviously Nichols. I'd have Turton. My back three probably Lee's Hog Nakayama or Lee's or Edmonds Green Lee's Nakayama and uh, Ruffles at left back. I'd have um, I'd have Rudoni alongside Russell in central midfield and. I would want Russell to basically be dropping a lot deeper. His starting position needs to be deeper because he just can't make up make up the space otherwise. Um, and then you've got, what, Thomas and Jurin as your wingers. And I could make a case for either Jordan Rhodes or Danny Ward at this point. But I think I'm simplifying things. I'm saying, you know, not stick to your positions. You need to have... But with Thomas, who I think looks completely off it as well, by the way. Uh, he, I'm not... 
we've said it's we can't excuse it with tiredness, but I think of all the players in that squad, so yeah, it does he, look he, yeah, he does. tired. Um, but um, the thing is, is that like I think that in normal circumstances, playing that way and saying okay, sort of stick to your job, simple tasks, you end up with a team that that looks a bit too pedestrian. But two things on that: one, it at least makes them harder to beat, which they desperately need to be, and. I think a nil-nil draw against Stoke would be progress, genuinely. But also, you've got Rudoni and Andrian in the side, and Silver Thomas, who are, and all three of those players on their day are capable of coming up with those moments of magic, those bits of the unexpected. Uh, as we saw with Tino Andrian's pass for Jordan Rhodes, which was a brilliant bit of vision and execution, by the way, and a great run from Jordan Rhodes. <laughs> so that would be where I started. How about you? I would be sorely tempted to not try and play two formations. I, I do you yeah, know yeah. what I've been That's what I mean. I'm saying 3-4-3 on the ball, 5-4-1 off it because they're yeah. you know variations of the same shape, aren't they? I I think if they're comfortable, if you talk to the players and they say they're com- more comfortable with the three at the back, then I think you have to do what you have said. The problem is that the the three the, like the defensive options as you look at it again there's got to be a period where if you're not going to use Hoggy to drop in there they've got to get used to each other so you're almost starting again I keep wondering whether to just go to a 4-2-3-1 and have Russell as one of the two as you say with a much deeper Mm. starting position and put a runner like Radone next to him with the idea being that you know you play 10 to 15 yards higher than John Russell and you get Tino in as a 10 you get Sorber as a proper attacking player on the on the right I don't know I just I'm with you I think it needs a lot of simplification at the moment because I just think I, I do wonder if, and please don't take this as a defence of the players, but I do wonder if... We know Carlos Corbran was a very analytical coach who went to the the, the nth degree on everything. Um, and we know that one of his strengths, and I would argue it, it sort of borderline almost becomes a weakness at some points as well, is that, that over-analyzing, that Bielsa-like level of detail... And I do wonder if the players having had, you know, some of them having had 18 months to two years of that are at a point where they're just struggling to take new stuff on. (laughs) You know, they've had that sort of quite intense relationship with the manager and their tactical instruction for a couple of years, whether somebody else coming in and trying it, it's, it's just like an overload, like they can't, they can't take it on. I don't know. Or the opposite. Or the opposite, yeah. and they're so used to being told what to do, which is something Matty Pearson actually said to you last yeah. season, isn't it? it he is, likes yeah. being told what to do. Yeah. If then, I, I, we don't know what kind of video sessions they're doing, what analysis they're doing. Possibly they're doing just as much as, as last season, which is why we've got the two theories here, because we don't know. But, you know, if there has been any drop-off in sort of the level of detail they're being given... Perhaps they're now struggling to readapt to having to think for themselves a bit, and that might account for the awful decision making that they're that they're yeah. showing. So I like, yeah, I don't know if I would I would go to four two three one, which I know is not a system they're overly familiar with, but it gets an awful lot of round pegs in round holes. I think yeah. you can start with. John Russell basically just playing five yards ahead of the centre-backs, so effectively becoming a three anyway, um, if they say that's what they're comfortable with. I think the centre-backs 
are struggling a little bit on the ball at the moment. So if they've got John Russell as the first pass, that helps them because the one thing we know he can do is is sit and quarterback a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that aspect of it. And I think, as I said, I want Radoni on there and I want him, having seen him last night, I think I want him central as a runner. And I think him playing sort of behind Tino would be interesting. And yeah, I I, I think... The, the the one sort of positive point I want to I want to make really is that I do think there are ways to sort it. You know, I do think there are ways you can yeah. make this better. The the slight problem me and you both had, and we said it last night, was that if Town line up in a four four two again on Saturday, it, it it's going to be very difficult to defend anyone involved if the same thing happens again. It's tough at the moment, you know, and we 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 are not defending anyone involved but if they line up in that sort of flat 442 again they they're toast cuz Stoke will do exactly what you said which is just drop players into the to the areas that are going to be wide open on the pitch you know Michael O'Neill is is too good a manager not to spot that straight away so I think you have to do something different. I think you have to... Those players need a rocket before they go onto the pitch because Town cannot afford to be 2-0 down again before they start playing. And yeah, it's 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 all just a bit sad at the minute, isn't it? We don't like doing these podcasts where we're just sort of negative for 40 minutes. Yeah, well, that's the thing with the the other thing that can happen. And I don't want to keep going on about it because I'll go on to say something else after this. But that's the other thing with the continuing to pick that four four two off the ball. Burnley figured that out within ten minutes. Mm. Birmingham and Preston have had ninety and one hundred and eighty minutes of video to watch, respectively. Uh, and Stoke now have two hundred and seventy. And as you say, Michael O'Neill, if he's one thing. It's, you know, it's organised and he does his homework. So if they do it again, they're just, they're asking for it at that point, genuinely. But for all that, and I do have those criticisms of Danny Schofield, I feel sorry for the players because I feel like the tactics are not suited to them. And I also feel sorry for Danny Schofield because I think the players are underperforming to a level where no matter what he'd picked, they'd have they'd have lost those games anyway. Probably not as heavily, but I think they would have lost those games anyway. So the whole thing just looks totally dysfunctional at the moment, unfortunately. And yet, despite that, I'm still looking at that squad and going, how many players in this squad have either are you looking at and saying right they've either not played much last season and we don't know if they're good or not or they're a new signing and I don't think they've looked good because I think you could make you could go through player by player and I think the only players who I'm not saying yes I think they have proven they can perform at this level from the players that have played are Will Boyle, Josh Ruffles, Brody Spencer and Etienne Kamara and they are don't knows they're not knows I think the only mm-hmm. player I have a no about at the moment is is Josh Caroma mm-hmm. um, the rest of the players though Ollie Turton we know can do it Tom Lees we know can do it Lee Nichols we know can do it Yuta Nakayama signs a good Romani started the season well all things considered uh, John Russell we know can do it Hoggy we know can do it Kasumo I think he only played 15 minutes, but he looked decent. Andrin and Rodoni have been town's two best players. Holmes, we know, is a useful utility player. Sorb, we know, can do it. Warden Rhodes, we know, can do it. So we know that these are either players that can do it or their new signings who have actually, despite everything, shown a bit of promise so far this season. But it's not coming together. And I think that makes it even more 
it, on the one hand, it gives you a bit of hope that they're going to be all right because you know they can find a way to sort themselves out. But on the other hand, it makes it even more frustrating that they've been so hopeless so far. Yeah, yeah, that that I completely agree with that. I think I think that the, the signs of promise and the flashes you see make things actually far worse. <laughs> Because they show you, it's a glimpse to what could be. From a fan's perspective, not yeah. from a coach's perspective, but yeah. from a fan's perspective, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is it. And uh, as I said, Ward's goal against Birmingham was was excellent, brilliant. Mm-hmm. I thought Rhodes' goal last night was really, really good. Great assist from Tino, Rhodes running into space and a lovely finish. There are moments that sort of point towards all is not lost, but it is. It I think dysfunctional is the word, and I think... When you say dysfunctional, people sort of seem to think that means that, you know, there's people arguing and falling out and all this sort of thing. I don't even think it's that. I just think the links in the chain that you need to have a successful 11 out on the pitch at the moment are broken for whatever reason. And I think it's just a case of working out where those breaks are and just doing what you can to mend them. And yeah, I don't, I'm not like... We are trying to retain some balance here. We're we're two championship games and a League Cup tie into the season. So it's not like we're sitting here saying, all is lost, town are going down, you know, there's no way back from this. But the problem is, we we can't see a display like last night and not talk about it as though it has to be the low bar. And we did this with Carlos Corbran in his uh, first season and in his second season. So the Fulham game, we basically did a podcast where we said, this is the this the, the low bar, it's got to get better from here. The first season, I think it was the second game, was it against Bournemouth? No, possibly yeah, Brentford. Brentford. But we, we said they've been completely outplayed here, this has to be the low bar. And I think... You know, collectively, the last three games really have to be the low bar. They've they've got to improve from here. And I'm with you. I mean, a nil-nil draw, just being really difficult to beat and break down on Saturday, that, that would yeah. be progress. It's, it's not a, a good situation at the moment at all. And as I say, I'm normally sort of Mr. Patient, be patient, give it time. And I even said the other day, you know, it's as bad as the first two games where it is only two games. But I'm finding it harder and harder <laughs> to to do that now. And well, the, the championship is a very tough division, Steve. And yeah. you know, like two games can very quickly become four games, and four games can very quickly become eight games. Mm-hmm. So we are trying not to be reactionary, and I don't think either of us. Like, let's put our cards on the table. I don't think either of us are saying that if you just go and swap Danny Schofield out, that miraculously sorts all these problems either. Because I think there are there are issues with players there that I just don't think a different head coach immediately like I don't think a different head coach comes in and just suddenly makes Josh Caroma find his touch again, for instance. So yeah, there's a there's a whole load of problems and I think I almost look at it at the moment like they've sort of got a they've got to work out how to eat an elephant, haven't they? Which is one bite at a time. So I think <laughs> You sort that defence out first. Get yourself difficult to beat again. Get yourself to the point where there's not a huge gap in front of it and too much work for the fullbacks to realistically be able to, to cope with. And then you look further up the pitch. You've got to do it one by one because at the moment, we said it last night, Steve, but at the moment, Huddersfield Town are, are just very easy to play against. And that was one thing last season that was sort of, that was the backbone of their success, really. That was what they built upon by being very, very difficult to break down and very, very difficult to play against, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. 
and it, yeah, it's just hard to understand how they've lost that so quickly. But getting back to that needs to be the first step, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that starts with the defensive setup. Yeah, they've absolutely. got to get that defensive setup right. I don't think the. I think the. <laughs> weirdly, I think the main problem they've got at the moment is midfield. But mm-hmm. I think you have to start with that defense and just get just yeah. get to the point where. <laughs> As we said earlier, everything isn't a one-on-one battle. Get back to the point where people have got some cover and can afford to commit, knowing they've got somebody to sweep up if if it doesn't go right. That's that's where they need to be. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Plenty of positives then, Dave. <laughs> well, uh, I've got a four-pack of whispers in the fridge, and my musical recommendation is one of the greatest albums of all time. So there's your positives. Go on. Uh, original Pirate Material by The Streets. Listen to it. I'm not joking. All the way through, probably eight times in the last three days. It is, but I love it, and I've loved it for 20 years. Mine, and I never thought these words would come out of my mouth, I love Beyonce's new album. Not like Beyonce at all over the past however many years she's been going, 20, whatever it is. Uh, I think the new album is an absolute banger. Pretty much start to finish. So, you're not a fan? Yeah. No, I prefer singing to shouting but there you go that's just me i i but, uh, all the way around <laughs> <laughs> but i i do uh, there are i have tried i have listened a couple of times and there are a couple of songs on there i do that have grown on me so i do wonder if a third or fourth listen it might actually mm, uh, might actually creep up on me but to, to listen to that i ha- the problem is to listen to that i have to switch the streets off so yeah. it's yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen for another week or so, I don't think. There we go. Right, back with you next time. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well, that was thoroughly miserable. Two slight defences of Brody Simpson in that one... Um, Dave, <laughs> yeah. can you go again? You called, it, you called him Brody Simpson. Can you... <laughs> Start that again. Just start from. I want to make two slight defences of Danny Simpson in my brain. No one needs that. No.